Welcome back to another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com and MMAopinion.co.uk. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. And you know what? I always start off the show by saying we have a stacked show for you this week. But guess what? This week we do have an absolutely stacked show. We're kicking things off with the new CEO of Titan Fighting Championships, Jeff Aronson. He'll be joining us right off the bat, followed by one of my favorite guys to talk to. We've had him on the show numerous times, um, way back to his WEC days. He's fighting at UFC 170, kicking off the Fight Pass portion of the card against Rafaelo Oliveira. We're going to be chatting with Eric Koch. Following up on him, we're going to be chatting with Sharkbait, who fights for Titan Fighting Championships. He's going to be joining us. His name is Anthony Gutierrez. You might recognize the name because he was on The Ultimate Fighter. He'll be joining us. And finally, rounding out the show, a guy who fought a couple weeks back. He fought against Gabriel Gonzaga. You may know him. The Croatian. His name is Stipe Miosic. This guy is an absolute beast. He may not be the most talkative guys, but this guy is a beast in the heavyweight division and, and everyone needs to keep an eye on him. So, you know, it's a fun show. We got fight week coming up. It, it seems like every week that I talk to you guys, it's fight week. This week is UFC 169 on Saturday night. Let's go through it. Right off the bat, we got the main card kicking things off on the main portion of the pay-per-view card. We got Abel Trujillo versus Jamie Varner. This one was supposed to be Trujillo versus Bobby Green, but that didn't pan out as Green had some, you know, sort of health issues that he needed to to deal with. So Jamie Varner stepping in against Abel Trujillo, kicking things off on the pay-per-view portion of the card, and it's going to be, I always say it, fireworks. This one, you, you, you're not going to want to blink because someone could go out with a light, but uh, it's going to be a fun fight. Then moving up the card, we got Ali Bogatinov. I, get, I don't know whether I said that right or not, but this guy this guy is another one of those flyweights that you can't blink. The flyweights are so fast no matter who's in the cage. You, you, can't, you can't turn away from the screen. You can't go to the fridge to get a beer. A lot of guys rag on the flyweights because they're the little guys. But these two, Ali's taking on John Lineker in what could be a number one contender fight in the flyweight division. 125 pounds for the, possibly the next challenger for Demetrius Johnson. You never know. Um, heavyweights, uh, this one, it, it gets me because it's, it, it, a few weeks back we heard that it was, you know, a fight for your job sort of fight. This week we're hearing, you never know, it might not be that way. It might, it, it might, both these guys could stay with the UFC, but they're both going to be fighting for their careers. In my opinion, we got Frank Mir versus Alistair Overeem. It's a fight where it's going to be fun. Frank's probably going to try to take it to the ground. And Alistair is going to try and keep it on the feet because he's got that K1 kickboxing background. Now the co-main event and main event, we got two top-notch fights. We got two titles on the line. We got Jose Aldo versus Ricardo Lamas in the co-main event for the featherweight strap. Lamas has been waiting in the wings for this shot for quite some time now. And he's finally earned it. Um, and Aldo, you know, this guy's an absolute terror in the cage. He's He's been kicking the crap out of people for as long as I can recall. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch when I'm watching the UFC, and especially back in the WEC days. This guy, 
put on a show for the fans out there. He likes to finish fights. He doesn't want it to go to a decision. So this should be a good one. Now the main event was supposed to be Dominic Cruz defending his bantamweight championship against Henan Barrow to unify the titles. However, we spoke about it a few weeks back and you've seen it all over the internet that Dominic Cruz once again injured with a groin tear and uh, he has relinquished his title. So the champion Henan Barrow will be taking on the California kid Uriah Faber in the main event. This is a rematch from their their UFC 149, I believe, fight in Calgary last year. Um, what can I say? Henan Barrow had his absolute way with with Uriah Faber. He killed his legs, much the way Jose Aldo did back in the day. Um, but Uriah Faber has looked absolutely amazing last year. He won four fights in 2013. He's looking to kick off his 2014 with a bang. So I wouldn't bet against Uriah Faber in this fight, but Henan Barrow has been undefeated for what seems like an entire lifetime. I, uh, <laughs> this guy hasn't lost in, in so many years that it's it's going to be tough for him to, to lose another one. But you never know. The California kid is looking for that final hurrah and, and get his championship out of the way with the UFC. So... That's the main card, the preliminary portion of the card on Fox Sports 1, which starts at 5 p.m. We have Ally Aquinta versus Kevin Lee. Our very own Callum Leslie did an interview this week with Iaquinta, which is very good. He doesn't believe Kevin Lee's fought anyone of his caliber. So we'll see how that fight pans out. We got Nick Catone versus Tom Kong Watson. Chris Carriasso versus Danny Martinez. And then the headlining fight on the Fox Sports 1 preliminary portion of the card was our guest from last week, John McDessie, who's taking on Alain Patrick, or Alain Nuget, as some people call him, in the featured fight. Preliminary fight pass card, we got three fights on fight pass starting at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. We have Neil Magny versus Gassin, Yumalatov, we have Rashid. Magomedov versus Tony Martin, and we have Andy Enns versus Clint Hester. Clint Hester is one of our homies from MMA Sucky. He was our tough blogger back in the day when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. So we'll wish him good luck. And uh, with that, I am going to get right in to my first guest. As I said, the CEO of Titan Fighting Championships. He used to be with Alchemist MMA Management. And uh, he's taken over Titan Fighting Championships. This guy's got some serious passion. He's all about making fighters the fight. So get, let's get right into it right after this this break uh, of some music here. We're going to be chatting with Jeff Aronson. So much you giving on for, not the expression. No, literally giving on for when they know that your heart and you know you are their armor. And you will destroy anyone who would try to harm her. But what happens when karma... He is the former chairman of Alchemist Management and current CEO of Titan Fighting Championship. Please welcome Jeff Aronson to Sucker Radio. Jeff, thanks for joining me today, man. My pleasure, bro. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, just long days in the office right now. Seems like something new is popping up every day, but uh, we're getting through it. <laughs> now, before we get into things, I'm sure most folks out there listening to the show right now know who you are. But for those who don't and those that may not know your story, just take us back to how you got into the sport of mixed martial arts. So um, in 2010, I believe it was, um, I founded Alchemist Management with Lex McMahon 
MC Hammer and Nima Safafor, uh with the intent to create um, the best management company in, in MMA. We all got together. We, we, we combined our, our forces and we started Alchemist at that time. And we went on to sign some of the biggest uh, um, MMA superstars in the world um, at that time. I think our first client was Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt led to, you know, Brendan Schaub. Brendan Schaub led to, you know, the, the list goes on to Gegard Mousasi, to Rory McDonald, to um, Jake Shields, to, um, I mean, you, you name it, Liz Carmouche. There's, there's so many people on the roster. Danny Castillo. Um, it's just a, a massive roster and, and, you know, our motto from, from the beginning was that fighters should get their fair shake and, and we wanted to be there to help facilitate that and, and help get them not only MMA sponsors back in that area, but we also wanted to bring them mainstream sponsors um, that had never stepped inside of the cage, like uh, Salesforce, multi-billion dollar company, Chegg, another massive mainstream company. And um, we do that and... The Alchemist company is still running. I've stepped down as the chairman, but Lex McMahon runs the day-to-day operations of that, and they're they're going strong and doing incredibly well. How did one even get involved with someone like MC Hammer to start this thing up? So MC Hammer and I had been involved in in a bunch of different businesses together, um, and he had been uh, involved with a couple of my other companies. We knew each other from years back in the music industry, and we had just come together and, and decided to, to form Alchemist. Nice. Now, you, you mentioned that you, you've stepped down as chairman. You're now the CEO of Titan Fighting Championships. From the reports, you purchased a major stakeholder in the company. Was this something that you had planned on doing for, for some time, or was it sort of a spur-of-the-moment thing where you're like, I think I want to run a business here for uh, promoting fights. <laughs> so it, I, it wasn't that drastic. <laughs> I had, I, for a while, I had wanted, you know, I had run into an epidemic with, with my young, incredibly talented prospects. Alchemist was signing the best young talent in the country, um, the best we could find, and other management companies were as well. And, you know, we all talk, you know, most of the, the top-level management companies speak to each other. And there was this epidemic. We could not get our top young fighters fights. No one would fight them. And, and this had gone on, you know, for a couple of years. I finally got so fed up that I, I said, you know, eventually, I, I'm just going to go and look to, to find the promotion where I can come in with people that, where there's already a staff there, with people that know how to put on a show, know how to, how to deal with this and where we can match up true top shelf prospects against the best possible talent that's out there, whether they be against other prospects, whether they be against UFC guys that may have uh, gotten an injury, got hurt, um, lost a couple fights because, you know, maybe their, their head wasn't right. They had some stuff going on, um, you know, X strike force guys, Bellator guys, you know, and give everybody the opportunity to perform on a stage against each other and then allow those athletes to go forward and get back into the UFC. So that was, from day one, my thought process was to provide a platform for all of these athletes who train, you know, five, six times a week 
um, two hours a day, five, six days a week, two, two times a day. I mean, they kill themselves. They deserve to be able to test themselves against the best there is. And if you're an ex-UFC vet, it's very difficult to get fights on a regional circuit because no one wants to fight you. So you sit in no man's land. And it, it just it, it kept building and building and building till finally I got to the point where I said I had enough. And I went out and, and um, you know, started up Titan FC. Yeah, that, that sort of leads me right into my next couple questions. I, I read a statement over at MMAfighting.com that says you're you're not looking to compete with Zufa and that your fighters will all have sort of a Zufa out clause. You're you're okay with being named as as a sort of feeder league? So, you know, I don't consider that. Here's here's what I consider. I created the Titan model, fans, fighters first. And I think that's the most important thing, right? Is to put on these incredible shows for the fans, give the fighters their opportunity. And first, they need to be able to realize their dream. Their dream is competing in the UFC. You know, no one is going to catch Zufa at this point, nor do I have any desire to try and do it. Um, I deal with Zufa. They've always been great to our athletes. I don't have any issues with them whatsoever. My point is there's so much talent that's constantly evolving in this business that you could never, ever fill yourself with too much talent. So as guys get to the point where they earn their shot back, I am thrilled to let them go and, and fight and have their dream and go challenge themselves. And I will continue building new stars who need that same platform. So I'm very excited about that. No kidding. Now, so was the reason you stepped down at Alchemist, I mean, obviously the timing and, and time management sort of thing would be tough holding on to the two positions, but was it also because it was a bit of a conflict of interest? So definitely the time in my day would have been very difficult. But above that, um, I had a meeting with Lex, I had a meeting with Nima, and I had a meeting with with Hammer. And we all um, came to the, uh, the agreement that it was better to keep a division of church and state and that I would step down from Alchemist and I would deal with the Alchemist managers just like I would deal with any other manager in the MMA space. And believe me, the Alchemist managers torture me on a daily basis <laughs> about getting guys into Titan. And I'm, I have to say to them all the time, you know, that guy's not right, this guy's not right, that guy's not right, this guy's not right. So believe me, there's no, um, there's no fights where I'm putting Alchemist guys into a fight to try and pad their records, to try and give them easy fights. I'm a fan. I want to see the best possible show. So I, I came out, I don't know if you heard last week or the week before, I said every fighter that finishes a fight by knockout, submission, TKO, is going to get a backstage bonus. Every one of them. Will that be made public? I want to see that. What was that? Will that be made public? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. The fighters and the fans come first. The better the show, the better the fighters perform, the more the fighters are encouraged to let it all hang out in there and give the fans everything that they want to see, the happier everybody is at the end of the day. Now, your first event as, as CEO will be coming up, TFC 27, February 28th. Just explain how stoked you are for this event to finally come into fruition. Dude, honestly, every day... I wake up in the morning. I'm not, I'm not saying this to promote at all. I wake up in the morning and I have not been this excited 
to be doing um, something in years. And at this point in my life, it's not about um, the monetary aspect of doing it. I'm doing this because it's something that I really love and I really believe in. So every morning I jump up, I get super excited. I look at the list of the, of the roster that Titan has signed, and, and it's unbelievable. Like, I look at it, I just sit there and I grin. I'm like, this is insane. It is insane when the list comes out and, be, and it's made public in a week or so. You're going to look at that list and go, oh, my God. It's, it's off the charts. Now, what did, I mean, this being your first event and all as the head honcho, you said in the, in, in the opening there that, you know, you're super busy in the office. What's a day-to-day look like leading up to your first event as the head honcho? So uh, I'm on the call with uh, the sponsors during the day. I'm on the call with managers during the day. Uh, every manager who I'm friends with refuses to go through the matchmaker, Joe Wooster. So I get personal <laughs> calls all day long. And, and I, I have to direct them over to, to Joe Wooster to do their deals. So um, that's a big part of it, dealing with the production, dealing with the venue, dealing with um, uh, my partners coming in and saying to me, uh, would I look at this guy? And I have to tell them to call Joe Wooster. Um, being on the phone 15 times a day with Joe Kelly, um, going over uh, the media blitz that'll lead up to the event, the signings, the visas, I mean, everything. There is so much that goes into running a promotion that until you entrench yourself in it, you would never believe it. That, that's what I was just going to ask. Is, is it more than you expected? By far. Yesterday I started my day. Well, here, today I started my day at 8 o'clock in the morning. I've been on calls nonstop. It's now, you know, 6.30. I'm on the phone with you. I have, I will be going till at least 11.30, 12 tonight, dealing with the guys that work for me, the marketing people, the web people, the, um, the people that are in charge of production, uh, Joe Kelly, Joe Wooster, the matchmaker, the guys that are running around on the floor dealing with stuff. I mean, it's a nonstop um, um, lead up. I mean, the ramp up is just unbelievable. Are these guys that you're speaking of, the matchmakers, the guys on the floor doing things, are these guys that you brought in, or, or were they with Titan previously? Um, some of the people are, are people that have been with me for years, that have all the marketing people, guys like that, have been with me for years in, in all, my business, all my different business endeavors. Um, some matchmakers have been involved. Um, you know, when I, when I took Titan... I started a whole new company. I don't know if people are aware. I started Titan LLC, Titan FC LLC. So it really has nothing to do with the old Titan whatsoever. The only thing um, I wanted was to be able to hire and bring in Kelly so that he could continue to handle the, the show and all the aspects that go around that. I wanted to bring in Joe Wooster. And I just really liked the name. So I kept... Some of those guys I brought in my team and I've acclimated them together and, and the new Titan FC was born. So why not rebrand this and call it Titan FC 1? You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because after this event, and um, I was thinking about it before this event, but I knew this event was going to be in Kansas City 
And Titan has a very loyal following in Kansas City. So I wanted to give them their last show with a number there. And after that show, we will start with number one. Okay. So we'll, we, yeah. will, we will see Titan um, moving from state to state and, and around the U.S. rather than being Absolutely. sort of home-based yep. in Kansas. Yep. Absolutely. Just United States? Um, no. I'm actually, believe it or not, speaking um, to Costa Rica right now. We're speaking to um, Canada. I'm in conversations with people in Brazil. So there's, there's a bunch of conversations going on. And, of course, you know, doing a deal with somebody like CBS Sportsnet is amazing because th- those guys are just, you know, incredible at what they do. So that's been – I've been able to leverage that into a lot of opportunities as well. Yeah, being, being up in Canada, that's where our home base is. It would be awesome to see some more mixed martial arts promotions moving across the border this way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking to do that. And um, I'll give you a little uh, breaking news. It's not official. It's almost official. It's not official. But I think uh, Faraz Zahabi will be one of the commentators on the show. Nice. That's awesome. Now yeah. let's talk about this show. The main event and actually a lot of the main card that we see that's been released thus far have a number of former UFC fighters and it looks like the card will be absolute fireworks. You sound extremely excited about it. Which fight yeah. that that we've seen released so far do you feel is flying under the radar that will surprise fans more than, say, the main event? Um, that's flying under the radar. Um Kurt Hillebaugh, Eric Marriott, that fight is going to be war. You've got Kurt Hillebaugh, who's 11-2, and two, uh, lost short notice to Pat Healy. I think he took the Pat Healy fight on seven days' notice and uh, took a short-term, short-notice fight with Steven Seiler that was probably fight of the night, and Kurt made a mistake in the third round, and Steven fell on top of him, and Steven got the decision. Amazing fight. And Eric Marriott has never been finished. I think he's 22-7. and seven. The guy's a monster, multi-time Bellator vet. I mean, these two guys are going to go out swinging. And, and someone's getting dropped in that fight, either by submission or knockout. Somebody's getting finished in that fight. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to take it back a notch here. I, I just sort of boggling my mind a bit. I'm, I'm rewinding. Um, you said Faraz Zahabi will be commentating this. How's he going to do that when his fighter is in the main event? Um, I think Faraz will probably be doing um, coach's corner type things beforehand. So he'll be breaking down um, the, the fights beforehand, and then he'll be free to you know, be in the corner of the fighters um, that are on the card that are his. Who, who are your other commentators, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Honestly, we're we're still in negotiations with a couple other people. Nice. Now, the main event, as I said, Faraz Sahabi's fighter, TriStar, Mike Ricci, taking on veteran George Gurgel. Um, this fight, it, it's a good fight on paper. It's a great fight for the fans. However, we've seen Gurgel rely on his stand-up too much in the past when, you know, this guy should rely on his jiu-jitsu skill. Why do you feel that so many guys that are so skilled on the ground want to prove themselves in the stand-up. Not, not, it doesn't seem like it's only to themselves, but to the fans out there as well. You know, I think there are guys like George that have this intense heart, and they want to fight. They want to be in a fight. They're not in a sport BJJ competition. They're in an MMA fight, and they're willing to go out there and brawl. 
And if it hits the ground, they're willing to use their incredible skills. Let's face it. George Grigel is one of the best black belts in the U.S. He's one of the most acclaimed um, BJJ practitioners and teachers in the country. Um, but he's a guy that will go out there and try and rip your head off. I mean, how do you not like a guy that goes out there and lets it hang out like that? And on the other side, you've got a guy like Mike Ricci, who is laser point accurate with his strikes, incredibly technical. Um, and if he lets it go, one of the most dangerous guys you'll ever run into. I mean, if you watch him on the Ultimate Fighter house, when he took out Neil Magny with the knockout of the, of the season, Neil Magny is, is probably about 30 pounds heavier than, than Mike Ricci, half a foot taller than Mike Ricci, and Neil was out for five, ten minutes. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, it was nasty. Mike Ricci is an, is an assassin when he wants to be. So him and Gergel, man, it's going to be like two hamsters in a wool sock. It's going to be <laughs> crazy. Why? I, I'm actually very excited for this fight, and, and because I know how good Ricci is, but we didn't get to see that in, in the UFC fights that he had after the tough show. Um, what do you think we'll see out of him in this fight? I, I truly think, you know, Mike made a statement to Ariel Hawani where he went on Ariel's show and said straight out, every fight I have from now till I'm back in the UFC is going to be a knockout. I believe that Mike, in his heart, 100% is coming out with that type of feel. He is going to swing and take and try and take someone's head off. Grigel, he's going to be in there with a guy that's not scared of him, not scared of his power, and going to look to land his own. So I think you may see the two of them in the middle of the cage playing Rock'em Sock'em Robot. Wow. I'm excited to see it. Now that you're the man behind the scenes, how many events do you think we'll see Titan FC have in 2014? Uh, 2014, we will do a minimum of eight. Nice. And overall, your goals for the company? The goals for the company are continue down the path that we're laying right now, um, continue to find the, the best prospects and the best veterans around, continue matching them up, glow this into the clear number two um, in the industry. Like I said, I have zero, zero um, feeling of, of trying to, to fight with UFC. It just makes no sense, and I don't want to do it. I would rather be there building my own talent. If they should want talent, they can come and, and I will give the guys the opportunity to go there. But I'm looking to continue building what we do. And, you know, whatever anybody else does, that's their thing. That's great. But I want to continue to build uh, Titan into, you know, just the best organization that it can be. Who do you feel is number two right now? I know World Series of Fighting thinks they are. Bellator thinks they are. Obviously, up here in Canada, Mark Pavlich and the MFC think they are. You know, I don't... I, I concentrate on what I'm doing. I don't really worry about what anybody else is doing. So, I, you know, to me, it doesn't... I, I don't know. It's, it's a non-factor in, in my day, truthfully. He is Jeff Ronson. He's the CEO of the new Titan FC. Uh, thanks a bunch for taking the time out of your day to do this, man, and just let people know where they can get more info on Titan FC and pump the event as much as you can. Absolutely. So please go to TitanFighting.com, um, at Titan Fighting on Twitter, um, Jay Aronson at Titan FC. Um, 
go follow us, check it out. Check out the all new website, all new logo, all new look of the company. Uh, announcements will be coming out pretty much weekly, if not, you know, a couple times a week of signings of guys that are that are coming on to to the the roster. This first card is fireworks all the way through from Mike Ricci, George Grishel to Matt Riddle, Michael Kuyper. You've got Tanino Furia on there. If you don't know Tanino Furia, look up Tanino Furia. 26-4, and four, the guy is an assassin. Go look this kid up. You've got Kurt Hillebaugh against um, um, Eric Marriott. You've got, um, I mean, you've got Pedro Noble against Bill Friday. You've got Michael Goldsby, I mean, uh, Brian Goldsby on that card against um, Hackett. You just got crazy cards. You've got Kevin Kroom on there. It's just the, the card is stacked. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, it's definitely been a pleasure talking to you. Your passion is, is uh, it exudes when you talk. It's, it's awesome to hear. I can't wait for Titan FC on the 28th of February. All the best, man. And just remember, bonuses to every fighter that finishes, fans, fighters first. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm definitely excited after speaking to him about Titan Fighting Championship 27 at the end of February. We've had, uh, you know, the lineup on this fight card is, is stacked with a bunch of former UFC fighters and some guys that they're trying to build up. So it's going to be a fun one to watch, and it's on CBS Sports, which is huge for the organization. Um, getting right into my next guest, we're going to be chatting with Eric Koch, who will be taking on Rafaelo Oliveira at UFC 170 later this month as well. Um, he's coming up right after this. He will be making his return to the Octagon at UFC 170 against Rafaelo Oliveira. Please welcome Eric Koch to the show. Thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, no problem, Jeremy. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, and it's actually been a while since uh, you've been inside the Octagon. Um, well, you, the, your last time was in August when you fell short to uh, Dustin Poirier. What have you been up to the past uh, six months? Um, actually, right after that fight, I got uh, eye surgery done. I got uh, PRK done. Um, it's kind of like the alternative for, for, for LASIK to correct vision. My, my vision was terrible. I actually found out um, when I got my eye test done for that fight that I was literally on the borderline of not even passing the test I needed to to even fight. So it was, it was one of those things I knew regardless of how the fight went, I was getting going to get my eyes done and uh have surgery so i had that done and then other than that man just uh you know getting my body activated getting ready for my move up to 155 so did did the eyes affect you at all during that fight or or was this sort of a progressive thing that you've been dealing with for the past little while it's it's been a progressive thing you know i've never had great eyesight but uh it's, it's just got progressively worse and it was one of those things, you know, Anthony got it done years, a couple of years back, and he told me it was the best thing he's, he's ever spent his money on. So it's, it's been one of those things I've been meaning to do, but I, I told myself before this fight that for sure, after this fight, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm just going to get it done. 
What's the move to uh, lightweight been like over? I mean, obviously you've had a chance to progressively move up your weight up to to a natural state of where you're going to be walking around at before you make the cut down to 55. How much uh, weight have you actually put on more than what you, you know, would have I've, dropped? I've I've put you know I've put more muscle on. I put a lot of functioning muscle on, um, but my my body weight's actually lower than what I used to walk around with to my cut to, to 45. Um, my cut to 45, you know, a lot of people don't understand um, just what I went through with that cut was, it was hell, man. It was, you know, after I injured myself for for the Aldo fight, um, I ended up, you know, you know, continuing to, to do what I could strength and conditioning-wise with next level and stuff like that. And I put on a lot of muscle, and it just seems like ever since then, you know, I the highest I've got up to, I got up to two ten. Wow. You know, I was I was two hundred and ten pounds, and a lot of people don't understand. People people think me going to fifty five. They think, oh well, what you know, Anthony's at fifty five. Why don't you go to thirty five? A lot of people don't understand. Anthony will tell you I walk around bigger than Anthony. <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's one of those things where I got stuck in that division because you know I was I was fighting at that weight when I was a boy. Yeah. When I was a kid and I, you know, I grew up and I become a man and, but I had to keep my, you know, my top 10 status at 145. And, you know, it's, I, I, I hate losing, but it's, it's kind of almost a blessing in disguise. You know, it was one of the things that me and my camp has been talking about for years that have, it's needed to happen. And, you know, after, you know, coming off two losses like that, I, even my coaches are like, you know what, we understand this is, you know, part of the problem is it's just too much weight to cut. So, it, you know, there's a lot a lot of people that agree with it, and, you know, I, I just can't wait to, to show off what I can really do at the weight class I should be at. No kidding. Hey, two, 210, you could be uh, fighting at 170. <laughs> Seriously. You, the funny thing is, whenever I go to any UFC event, whether it's a UFC expo, whatever, fans don't recognize me because I'm way bigger. You know, I have, I have welterweights come up to me that are like, dude, you're like an 85er. You're, yeah. you're huge, <laughs> you know? And I, it literally, you know, I, I was looking at pictures, my last cut down to uh, 145 and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't look healthy. It just, it's not, you know, by the time I get to 160, my body fat's, it's already below 3%, which is dangerous. It, it, you it, know? it so, yeah, it looked even more unhealthy when you didn't have the tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of people don't understand, man. Like they think, oh, this guy—he's a douchebag. He tans. He fake face. I'm like, dude, seriously. When I'm that pale, I just—I look disgusting. I look like a uh, like a lizard, like a reptile or something. You know. I remember. Um, so it's just. That's funny because I remember the first time we had you on the show, we were talking. This guy should get sponsored by uh, by a tanning salon. That was back in the WEC days, and and for people who are people who didn't know you from the WEC days, they don't know you as that pasty white kid. No, yeah. Oh, he's the tan dude. He tans a lot, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 one of those things. Uh, it drives me nuts because every time you know I get. I, a big site or something that, you know, they do an interview on me. They, they always ask about the tan. I'm like, all right, guys, I've been tan enough for a long, you know, for a <laughs> while now we can, we can stop talking about the tan. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But, but, uh, 
but uh but no it was it was one of those things man just getting down that way <laughs> getting down the way you can you can you know even ask my coach to do you know, I would I would be on fire. By the time I got to one seventy, one fifty five, I I would be crisp. Everything would be sharp, and you know, even doing pads whenever I got lighter, like everything went. Even my mind, you know, I I didn't even really want to fight. To be honest with you, when you cut that much weight, you lose you lose the fun you have in in anything really. You know, I was more I was more excited for weigh-ins and getting to eat and feel normal than actually fighting. And that's not the way it should be. Yeah, no know? kidding. Yeah. So, so you know, it's one of those things where you know, of of course, coming off a loss, I'm super pissed. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, guess what? I'm moving up, and I don't care what you guys say. I'm doing it. You know, I know, I know my own body. I know my own health, and I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you know, it's, it's time to go. It's time to go up. You have, you have fought at 55 before in your career, though, no. Yes, I actually started my career at 55. Okay. I, I started because I started my career, you know, far back. They didn't even really have a featherweight division at that time, you know. When I started my career, 55 was the lowest that you could really find around. So it was one of those things. I would, I was, I was a beanpole. I was a kid, and I would literally walk in soaking wet, and I'd be like 152. I'd be under 55, actually. And... um but yeah, I started my career there, and uh, it's, it was one of those things that you know people start asking. Well, you know, you don't cut very much weight. You know, WEC started getting popular. They're like, "What about 45? Can you make 45?" I'm like, "I know I can make 45." You know, so and and I I had a lot of success there because when I cut down to 45, it was a natural cut. I wasn't even I wasn't cutting a lot. You know, I was just cutting a little more than I used to, and I could still perform. But over the years. You know, doing the strength and conditioning I've done, doing the strength work I've done, I've 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 doubled in size. I, I don't even look like the same kid I used to be. You know, so it was just I, I think I've grown out of weight, my weight class. I think I should have been out of this weight class a while ago, but like I said, it was just kind of keeping my top ten status was important to me. You know. Yeah, definitely. Now you you are always calm going into your fights. You you're always amped up to get into the fight. But not to harp on the negative at all, you you did speak about your last loss. You are riding a two-fight losing streak. So even though you're amped and all that kind of stuff, does the dreaded three-fight losing skid ever go through your mind? No, no, because it doesn't go through my mind. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, the last two fights, you know, I'm confident in any fight I go in. But like I said, I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I was cutting so much weight that it wasn't – Yeah, I, I – I was I was hungry in a different way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was hungry for weigh-ins, and then you know the fight. I, I don't think I had enough, you know, uh, fire under my butt to to get really get going. And I, you know, people. I think, I think in my mindset. I I know if I were to tell myself, oh, I can't lose three times in a row. Yeah, yeah. I think that that will actually make you perform worse if you put more pressure on yourself. You know? Yeah. Me, I'm. I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking forward to this as just fighting where I'm supposed to be, and I'm I'm angry, man. I hate losing. I I haven't. I, I'm almost forgetting what it feels like to win. You know. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm so I'm so angry right now that I'm I could care less about 
worrying about a three-fight losing streak. Losing is not in my mind right now. I'm I'm solely on winnings. I want to go in, and I, I, I don't want, you know, just a, a decision win either. I want to stop it. You know, I, I know I'm a better fighter than that. You know, I was I was about to fight Aldo for a title, you know. So it's it's it, it's definitely frustrating, but it, I'm using it more as fuel, fuel to the fire than really, you know, worrying about it and stressing about, you know, where my place is. It, it's great to hear you like this because it sounds like you're that fighter that you got that reignited flame under your ass that that the guy that came into the UFC from the WEC I mean you you were coming in with two finishes coming into the UFC you had that amazing knockout of Rafael Asuncao in your UFC debut and then you and then you had the decision to Jonathan Brooken so you sound like you're that guy that wants to get in there and really start finishing fights again yeah to, you know totally it's 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 one of those things man I mean, you know Whenever they say you know a loss is really good for you, you know I I hate to say this loss has been you know more good for me than ever. But you know, like I said, uh, I've lost before. It sucks, but a real fighter is going to push past the loss. A loss isn't going to stop me. It's just gonna it's going to fuel me. It's going to make me understand I got to do things differently. And that's you know it's it's just just like anything in life, man. You get knocked down, you got to get back up. You can't just give up. So it's it's one of those things, man. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited too because pe- there are people out there. Oh, he's just being lazy. He doesn't want to make the cut to 45, dude. Trust me when I tell you, every UFC fight, every fighter that fights in the UFC that knows me will tell you I should not be fighting at 45. <laughs> They'll tell you that, you know. So I, I can't wait to just shut those people up. You know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to knock this dude out, and I'm I'm going to show people who Eric Choke is. You know, I've 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 put my body through so much torture over the years, and to have people saying that I'm being lazy when I honestly think I'm one of the hardest working fighters there is on this planet, it, it drives me nuts. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to go out there and and, and make a statement. Now let's talk about that statement. Your matchup against Oliveira. What do you know about this guy, and how do you feel you match up against uh, the Brazilian? Um, you know, he's a tough dude. Obviously, you know, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's, you know, he's good on the ground. And, uh, you know, I think this is, it's kind of like an old school matchup. You know, it's like everybody thinks I'm just a striker. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to stand with the dude and he's a grappler. Yep. And I will say this, you know what? I am a stand-up guy. Guess what? I, I do want to knock this dude out. That's my goal. So, um, you know, that's, I'll, I'll tell you right now what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to stuff everything he does. You know, I'm going to shut him down. He's not going to get me to the mat, and I'm going to finish him. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Now this will be the first time you'd open up a fight card since your Octagon debut. Do you feel like this? I mean, it is your your 155 debut with the organization, but do you feel it's a little less pressure on yourself than being on the main card? Um, you know what? It, it's never really bothered me being on the main card. I could care less where I'm at. I, I will say, though, you know, being the, the the fight opener, I do like fighting early. You know, it's it's kind of like you get up and it's like, okay, it's time. Time to go go down to business. For me, it just, it, it's, it's more when you wake up, you know what you got to do, and you get to do it shortly after where if I'm fighting on the main card, I got to sit around and wait. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't care who you are. If you're a fighter and you're about to fight, you're going to be nervous. 
if you're any good and you want to be somewhere in the sport, you're going to be nervous because there's a lot on the line. Every fight is the biggest fight of your career, you know? So I, I like it because it's kind of like you get to the venue, boom, you warm up and you go, you know? And I, I, I love that. And I, I love to open up the card with, with a knockout, man, something mm. everybody wants to see. And then know, it, everybody riled up. Exactly. And then it might be on the pay-per-view portion anyway. Exactly. That well, that's a, you know, funny thing. I just told my dad. He's like, "Well, your your fight's not going to be on TV, is it?" I'm like, "No, it's going to be on TV." <laughs> I said, "It's going to be on TV." I just, you know, once I get the fast knockout, then then we'll put it up. We'll put it on TV for sure. Now, you know, at MMA Sucker, we a few of us have been chatting actually over Facebook about the whole Fight Pass thing. Your fight is going to be on Fight Pass, this new digital network that the UFC has. The question at hand, though, is. Are sponsors aware of this? Do they bring it up to you? Or or do they just have a standard online prelim discussion with you? You know, it's right now, the sponsor, I, I really, honestly, I'm not even, like, really, really know who my sponsors are at this point right now. Um, it's kind of, it's getting hard for sponsors in the UFC, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, well, you know, you got so many fighters and you got so many events. It's going to be hard for sponsors to want to keep pumping out money. So, um, you know, actually, you know, my my management team, MMA, always does a great job of getting my sponsors all ready for me, so I don't even have to worry about it. But, um, but yeah, you know, last couple of fights I've gone with Torch, and I think, you know, I think that's what I'm going with now. Nice. Now, what what are your thoughts? Have you had a chance to check out Fight Pass? Uh, no, I haven't actually. <laughs> That's sort of funny because you're fighting on it. You don't. You don't even know what it is, really. I don't even know. No, no, no. <laughs> See, that's and I'll tell you this. You know what? I, I'm I'm a big fan of the UFC, but I'm I'm training, man. <laughs> I'm training for a fight. I'm not going to be watching myself on TV. So now, finally, before I let you go here, let let me talk to you about this. Your brother Keone actually recently fought in the main event for the RFA title. It was a war. That that fight, I mean, yeah. I, I was on my toes for the entire five rounds. It, it was an awesome fight. What what can you tell us about your brother, and, and how excited were you during that fight, even though he came up on the wrong end of the judges' scorecards? Well, I'll tell you this. I was here at my house watching it, and I was by myself. My, my roommate was probably lucky he was gone. But I was screaming so loud. I'm, I'm pretty sure the neighbors sent a, a noise complaint because I was, I was screaming, man. It was as an MMA fan, <laughs> an awesome fight to watch, you know, being, being my brother, it was a very nerve wracking thing to watch. Yeah, I bet. You know, you, you'll, you'll get, you'll get a lot of, you know, a lot of fighters, especially brothers in this. I, I don't get nervous before my fights, but I get so nervous before my, my brother's fights. It, it's, it's unreal. You know, he'll tell you differently. He's like, I'm very confident my brother, you know, I'm, he can take care of himself. I know my brother can take care of himself, but it's kind of like, you know, when you see something happen, you're like, you, you want to do it for him. You know, you, you, you want to, if he makes a mistake, I want to, I want to help him with that. I want to be there. I want to, you know, and so it, it drives me nuts watching it on TV, you know, and originally I was supposed to go corner him, but you know, my fight's coming up and, and I just wanted to focus more on my training and, uh, so, you know, that was cool with him, whatever, but it just sucks watching it on TV and just like, I wish I was in his corner, you know, I want to try and help, but I can't, you know, but, uh, other than that, dude, from, 
from a fight fan's perspective, dude, I've watched the fight like four times, and it's just, I love it. It was it was a great fight, man. Very, very rarely do you get to see uh, a grappling match that people are really into. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Like definitely. a match on the ground that's just back and forth, and people are getting out of submissions, and, it, you know, I love fights like that. I love them. So, you know, I'm very proud of my brother, and I, I think both those guys – you know, deserve to be in the UFC. I think they both bring it, and I think, you know, I think Keone will never let you down. He'll always make it an exciting fight. You know, and and that's that's the cool thing about RFA. They're they're glad to be known as that sort of feeder league. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, and that that's what I, that's why you know I tell Keone, I'm like, you know, always be ready. You never know. And uh, you know, he's 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 waiting for that chance, man. He's. He's hungry. You know, I, I talked to him not long ago. He, you know, the one thing he said, you know, he's upset. You know, he lost, but he he had a fun, he had, he had fun doing it. He had a blast in there, and that that's awesome, dude. That's how you know that a real fighter when when they're you know they say they had fun in a five round war like that. Yeah. That's that's how you know you got a, a special individual. So his mindset is probably one of the best mindsets you could have, I think, in our profession. So. You know, I know he's just going to come back stronger. And, you know, obviously his fan base is going to go up because it's already getting nominated for early fight of the year, you know. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm proud of him. For sure. We're not looking for fight of the year out of you. We're looking for knockout of the year. He is Eric Damn Coke. right, man. I don't <laughs> want fights of the year. I don't I don't want to be in wars, dude. I want to make this this stuff look easy. You know, that's that I want to I want to be clowning people. So, that's 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 what my goals are, you know. He is Eric Koch. He's taking on Rafael Oliveira on the fight pass portion of UFC fight uh, UFC 170. Thanks a bunch for doing this, Eric, and you know, good luck at the end of February, man. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, just want to make it. Can I make a shout out real quick? Yeah, definitely. Go for it. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna make a shout out to my dad because I know you know he's he's getting sick of his Coke boys losing, so. <laughs> So I'm, you know, this next fight, I'm, you know, I'm gonna put it on him and, you know, do it for my dad. But I, I love my dad. Just want to make a shout out to him. Thanks a lot, buddy. Good luck. All right, thanks, brother. Eric Koch is looking to put on a show for the fans, for the UFC, and for his dad at UFC 170 when he's making his debut with the organization in the 155 pound division. So this one, I mean, as he said, he he doesn't want to go to a decision. He wants to go in there and knock Oliveira's head off. And and this guy can do it. He trains with Duke Rufus out of Rufus Sport. He trains with Anthony Pettis, who's obviously the best lightweight in the world. So he has the potential of being the next big thing in the UFC's 155-pound division. We saw it at 145 pounds. But it's it's going to be even better without having that big weight cut. He the the sky is his limit. So I'm very excited to see him um, at at 155 pounds at UFC 170. Right after this, we're going to be chatting with Stipe Miocic, who I said just beat Gabriel Gonzaga at uh, this past UFC on Fox card, and uh, he's going to be chatting about that fight. He's going to be chatting about when he wants to get into the cage next. And I'm going to ask him a little bit about um, his college career that he had before he got into fighting. So you're going to want to listen to that right after this. 
before somebody else takes you out of the frame and put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, it just won't last. With only one loss on his record and a two-fight winning streak, the Croatian Stipe Miocic is quickly making a rise through the heavyweight rankings in the UFC. Please welcome Stipe to Stucker Radio. Stipe, thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, no, no, thank you. I appreciate that. For sure. Now, let's talk about your last fight uh, right off the bat. Gabriel Gonzaga, he's an absolute monster of a heavyweight. Were you surprised by the way he fought you at all? I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean, he's not the best in the world, you know, and, you know, he's just he's a tough guy, man, you know, and doesn't surprise me. You know, I started a little slow, but, you know, I picked it up finally. Yeah, now, you, you said you started off slow, but do you feel like you gave Gonzaga a bit too much respect? Because you seemed a tad bit hesitant in going to the ground when he was clearly fatigued. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, mean, I was all right down there, but I mean, he was, Sitting down there, so I'll stand up and try to keep punching him. You know, then I went to do, you know, try to get, you know, I got half guard, which I was fine with too. Now that's what you say. You, you want to stand with him. Your stand up is definitely your bread and butter. The only submission victory you have on your rap sheet was from leg kicks. Um, we haven't really had a chance to see your ground game all that much. Is it something that people should fear if they take you there? And and how do you fare against some of the ground guys at your gym? Uh, I, I do well, you know, we have a great coach, you know, great coaches there at Strasbourg, and they help me out a lot, and, uh, you know, I, I go, and I, I think I do well, you know, I think I'll be all right on the ground. I'm not going to ask you who you want to fight next, but I will ask you when. There are a lot of top heavyweights that are, that are booked up at this point. Um, some of the top talent are, are, are getting ready to fight. Obviously, Cain Velasquez is injured, so he's not going to be around for a little while. When would you like to get back inside the octagon? Oh, you know, when they call me, you know, so I just, you know, <laughs> whatever they say, that's all, you know, not much words for that, but just whatever they call me to. <laughs> so is the sooner the better kind of thing? Like, you, we saw a pretty big gap between your last two fights. Um, would you like to stay more active this year? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's up to them, you know, they got, you know, of course you got, you know, matchups and guys are hurt and stuff like that, so it's just, it is what it is, you know, and just it's part of the game. Now you've fought a who's who's list in the heavyweight division. You've got the one loss on your record, as I said. Which of your victories, though, do you feel was your toughest fight to date? Uh, I think every fight's a toughest fight to date. You know, I mean, Roy Nelson, that guy, he's got a chance to steal. You know, you got to watch out for him. You got hammers. You know, with Gonzaga, you got to watch out too. He hits hard. And, you know, he's good on the ground. And he's real strong. So it's not. The last two are real tough. What do you want that that loss back? Would you like to fight Stefan Struve again? Of course, one well, nice start with you. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Some guys say, you know, it's a it's the thing of the past. I I don't want to go back to the past. I just want to keep fighting the future. I mean, you're higher up the rankings than he is at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, of course, I would like to fight him again and try to get that you know W back. But you know, it is what it is. It happens. It happened. You know, he was a better man that night, and that's what it is. Now let's talk about your gym, Strong Style MMA. It flies under the radar quite a bit. Do you feel? You know, as as you're moving up the rankings, often guys tend to sway away from their home gym that they started with, and they, they, they say they need to go to a larger gym with more training partners. Do you feel you'll have to do that to get to that sort of next level? No, man, we have the greatest, best coach in the world, and you know, we bring people in. Are there any guys at your gym? Like, let, let our listeners know who we should keep our eyes on. Uh, we have a guy named Max, the Russian guy, real tough, 205 pounder, he's tough as hell. Um, 
got a lot of amateurs, you know. Um, not too many pros, not too many, but uh, you know, we got a lot of amateurs coming up, a lot of real good kids coming up. So, uh, no, you know, you, you'll see them when they come out. <laughs> now, a few off-topic questions here to to end the interview. I was I was reading over your Facebook page here earlier before we got on the air, and I noticed the very first line of your about is, "I have been told I have a huge head." <laughs> yeah, really? People tell you this? Yes. <laughs> all, all the time. What, what do you say? What, how do you answer that? Oh, my God. Probably something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, following your last fight, I also saw on Facebook that you had over a thousand messages. That must have been a pretty cool feeling. And were you able to respond to a bunch of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. It's cool, man. You know. For sure. Now, I, I heard through one of our writers over at MMASucker.com, Ted Gruber, that you were a baseball guy in college, and, and you you played baseball growing up. So talk about this. Uh, what made you get into MMA and, and not pursue baseball? Well, you know, I, you know, I tried for baseball. You no, know, it didn't pan out. And uh, I was working at a gym, going back to school for firefighting and paramedic, and uh, there was a guy who needed help training, getting the bulldozers. Uh, so I started wrestling with him, trying to help him out. I just never left the gym. How 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 what caliber of baseball did you play? I played up the college, you know, but nothing in third side of it. Nice man, that's that's pretty cool. Now, finally, one of my I, I had a Twitter question. I threw it out there to Twitter that I was going to be interviewing Stepe Miocic, and one guy said, "Ask him this: How many times does he get asked? Oh my goodness, you sound just like Chuck Liddell." That and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Who do you think? Oh, I don't care. Whoever you want to It's cool to be in the same sentence as those guys. <laughs> For sure. He is Stipe Miocic. He beat Gabriel Gonzaga to to bring his winning streak up. You know, man, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Uh, yeah, Facebook. I have my own Facebook page, um, uh, fan page, uh, Stipe Miocic. Uh, Twitter, it's at S. Miocic. And then on Instagram, I'm at Stipe Miocic UFC. Perfect, Stipe. Thanks a bunch for doing this, man, and, and all the best in 2014. Hey, thank you so much. My pleasure. Let me be on again. Perfect. How about that? He, he, you know, he speaks his mind, but he's not the most talkative of guys. You know, this guy, he'll fight anyone that the UFC puts in front of him, and he'll do it with absolute terror. He puts fear in his opponent's eyes. He He's a big heavyweight but he's also fast, and he does what he has to do to get in and out of that cage. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish the fight against Gonzaga. He had his chances, but he absolutely pummeled this guy. So Stipe Miocic is a guy that, that I think everyone should keep their eye on. And, and if you don't know who he is, check out some of his fights. You can, you can I'm sure, check him out on Fight Pass, UFC Fight Pass, the digital network. Or you can check him out on YouTube. There's There's plenty of different ways that you can check out what Miosic has to offer. So I said I had him on the show. You may have heard of him. He was on The Ultimate Fighter. Anthony Gutierrez, or also known as Sharkbait. This guy's coming up. He's a fun interview. Um, I've heard him I've heard him speak with some press before. So I'm excited to chat with him. He'll be coming up right after this to talk about his Titan FC twenty seven matchup. Yeah, y'all know what it is. Katy Perry. 
Juicy J. Uh-huh. Let's rage. He will take on Lee Sandmeyer at Titan Fighting Championship 27 on February 28th. Please welcome Anthony Gutierrez to the show. Thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And actually, I'm not find, fighting Lee Sandmeyer on this card. I'm fighting Charlie Debray. I guess Lee Sandmeyer, he had uh, some other stuff that came up. So I think we're going to try to get that fight set for the next Titan card. So I'm fighting Charlie Dubray from Nebraska. Charlie Dubray. Okay, that sort of throws me for a bit of a loop here. <laughs> That's all good. Let's start off with, I mean, let's talk about what happened prior to you coming back to Titan Fighting Championship. I'm sure you've heard enough about Tough 18, but before we get into your fight, what was your experience like on the show, and would you do it again? Um, yeah, my experience on the show was, you know, obviously, you know, it was definitely really good, and it was definitely bad. Um, a lot of, you know, it, it was a really good learning experience for sure. Um, some of the positives I learned from the show are, you know, I was training and living with guys who were, you know, 9-0, and 12-0, you know, really established fighters, good records, and, you know, getting to train with them and realizing that, you know, in my opinion, I was one of the better guys in the house. So it was good for my confidence and, and you know, my outlook on things like that. Um, as far as my skills go, it really let me know that, you know, my skills are at the top and I'm ready to, you know, fight the higher competition in the world. So it was good in that sense. Um, and then as far as like, you know, me missing weight and things like that, it was a good learning experience on, you know, um, which I guess in that situation, you know, you have to make weight three times in a, in a six weight or a six week period. So I'll never have to go through that again, but it was still a good learning experience for more just life in general, really, you know, taking things more serious, focusing a little bit more, paying attention to detail, things like that. But um, I'll never have to make weight three times in six weeks again. So, you know, I'll never have a problem missing weight again because that was just kind of a weird experience. And you ask if I would do the show again, um, you know, honestly, I have to say yes, because before I did the show, I definitely had good opportunities in MMA, but now that since I've been off the show, you know, my sponsorships have doubled and, you know, my fight purse for the next card that's coming up will be my highest paid fight yet. So it was definitely nothing but good things came from it. And so I can only, you know, I would say I would do it again for more good things, I guess. So you have no regrets then? No, I don't. I mean, of course I do on missing weight and things like that. I would have rather gotten there, win the fight, and be in the finale. So I guess I regret that. But as far as what happened, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not go on the show. I would have rather gone on the show and, and see it and still have what happened. Now you'll be heading back to Titan FC for your fifth fight with the organization. Was this the plan if you didn't make it to the UFC to go back and fight for these guys? Um, can you say that again? Sorry. I said you'll you'll be heading back to Titan for your fifth fight with the organization. Was this sort of the plan? Did you talk to the organization before going to the Ultimate Fighter? And if you didn't make it to the UFC, was this sort of your backup plan to come back to them? Yeah, um, you know, Titan, they started out here in, in Kansas City, which is my hometown. And so um, I'm pre I have a pretty good relationship with the promoter and things like that. And we actually... Um, you know, he, he kind of pops up in our gym and things like that. And so we know each other pretty well and I let him know what happened on the show and, you know, pretty much my main goal as far as fighting goes, if I'm not in the UFC, that, being in the UFC is obviously my main goal and one day becoming a world champion. But my main goal right now, since I got cut from the UFC is just to make sure I'm fighting on TV and make the most money possible. And so there's, I'm really fortunate to have a, a good promotion like Titan Fighting Championships that is actually based out of Kansas City where they used to have the Access TV deal, and now they have the deal on CBS Sports. 
So if I'm fighting on a card locally that isn't televised, sponsorship companies aren't, don't really want to pay me that much money because there's not very many eyes that are going to see their logos. But if I have a TV deal like CBS Sports, it's a lot more opportunity. So really just my goal is to stay on TV when I fight to make the most money possible. And, um, and so that's what I'm doing. So that's why I love Titan. And really, I would probably only see myself fighting with Titan um, or the UFC. I don't really see myself with another promotion right now other than the UFC. So you've fought for these guys in the past, as we said, four other times. Now there's a new owner who's come into play, Jeff Ronson here, who I chat with earlier in the show. Do you see a difference in comparison to the way things were handled in your past fights to the way things leading up to this event are? You know, I think things have actually gotten a little bit better as far as the promotion goes because, you know, they're signing. You know, the, the previous Titan events, they did have big names, but it was pretty much just, you know, just the main event. Now they're signing all these big names where it looks like it's pretty much going to be like a, a stacked card full of ex-UFC fighters, so it's the top-level talent. So the new owner has definitely brought in a lot more talent. And, um, um, you know, as far as the business side of things go, I really haven't seen much of a difference because it's always been good. So the really thing I've noticed a big difference in is just um, bigger names that are signing to the company. Now you said obviously you're not fighting Lee Sandmeyer. Something came up. You're now fighting Charlie Dubray. He's 12 and eight in his Uf- or in his MMA career. You're four and zero. Do you think experience may make a difference in the fight? Um, you know, I had 20 amateur fights and and I've had four pro fights, so I've had 24 fights. Um, that being said, I know that Charlie DeBrace had 20 pro fights, and I think he had over 20 amateur fights. So he's had more fights than me, but, I mean, I've had over 24 fights, and he's maybe had over 40, so I don't really see a big difference as far as experience goes. I'm pretty comfortable in there, and I think this might actually be the biggest stage he's ever fought on. So if anything, I, I think he might have some jitters being on live TV when that's something that I'm used to. Um, but... I'm definitely expecting them, you know, you know those vet, those those veteran type fighters. They're always in shape, you know. They're never going to quit, and they're always tough. So I'm I'm going to be expecting a really tough fighter. I guess that's sort of what I was going to ask. It's this guy's. We always hear about octagon jitters and guys going to the UFC and having first fight jitters. Do you think um, coming into this will be his first fight with Titan Fighting Championship? Do you think that occurs with these other kind of organizations as well? Maybe. I mean, I can remember my first fight on access TV and you know I had 20 amateur fights but none of them were ever televised and then on my pro debut you know just having three cameramen that are like in your face when they're announcing your name you know it might not seem like a big deal but it kind of can be a culture shock if you're not used to it you know just being at the arena you see the venue you see the production the production step up before sometimes things like that can make somebody antsy and excited or with some guys they might not even care it might not even affect them so you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna prepare for and pretend like it's not gonna affect him at all and he's gonna be super tough, but you never know. It could and it might not. You never know. How far out did you learn about this opponent change? Um, I've actually known about it for a while and some of the headlines that were being like a lot of the uh let's see, websites and stuff that are writing articles about the fight card, they had been writing articles about me and Lee when I would say at least two weeks prior to the articles coming out, I knew it was Charlie DeBray. So it's been like a little bit of a miscommunication, but I've known I've been fighting Charlie DeBray for at least three weeks now. Which is perfect. So, I mean, e- even if you were, even if you did know it was last minute, looking at this guy's stats, he's a submission guy as well, which is sort of like the way Lee Sandmeyer fights. He, he goes for submissions 
the same way. Um, how do you prepare for a guy like this who's so submission-based? Do you have someone that comes in to sort of emulate that style? Um, I mean, at my gym, you know, I train with James Krause, Tim Elliott, Zach Cummings, you know, tons of other really good pro fighters that people haven't heard of. Um, I can honestly say with full confidence, his jiu-jitsu isn't as good as my main training partners are. I'm very confident in that. So I really just train with my team, and the guys that I'm fighting every day in the gym are better than the guy that I'll be fighting February 28th. So I know there's nothing I won't, I won't you know, see or I won't be caught by surprise. So none of your fights, you, you've never gone to a decision. Where do you see yourself exposing this guy? Um. I don't know. I mean, I could see myself catching him in a submission, and I could see a TKO. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I could. I could see me. I don't know. I've watched him fight before, and when he's kind of on top of guys, I see like a lot of openings to be able to submit him off off my back. My main goal is to not be on my back. I mean, that's. I think that's pretty obvious in today's MMA. You don't want to be on your back anymore. It just doesn't really work very well. Um, but. I'm still preparing for if I the chance of me getting on my back. You know, I got to be ready for it. I could see myself submitting him there. I could see myself getting on top, wearing him out, and then just punching him out. I don't know. I could see this fight ending anywhere, really. Also, I see him tough enough and game enough to make it all three rounds with me just pounded on him. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> with a win, <laughs> with a win, you'll be five and zero in your professional career. Where do you go from there? Another fight with Titan, or I guess as you said, it's either Titan, UFC, or bust. Exactly. In my um, in my contract, I think the only out I have is a UFC out, and I have a four fight contract. So if the UFC doesn't call after this fight, you know, then I'm down to fight, you know, a whole bunch more fights with Titan. I'll stay with him until the UFC calls. And so, yeah, I guess just expect another tight fight after this one. How how soon thereafter would you like to be getting in the cage? I mean, this is early in 2014. How many fights would you like to see in this calendar year? I want to stay really active um, for two reasons. One, um, well, really, for the main reason I hate to keep bringing up money, but this is the only way I'm making money right now to pay for my rent. <laughs> so... I'm not working, I'm just training. And so really I just need to fight every you know, every two months, every two and a half months. I was kind of mapping it out on paper. You know, I just I don't need much money to survive on, so that's that would be plenty for me to live on and be able to train and stuff. So really just stay active, keep making money and keep winning and, and keep learning and growing in the sport and keep learning. So uh, Titan says that they're throwing an event in April. If you win this fight and there's no injuries coming out of it, you'd like to fight on that card as well. Yep. Yes. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. Finally, before I let you go, this fight card is absolutely stacked. I mean, as you said, there's ex-UFC fighters on the card. There's a lot of veterans on the card. What's a fight on this card that you're looking forward to watching? Um, I'm looking forward to the Kevin Kroom and Brian Goldsby fight. You know, not a lot of people know about Kevin Kroom right now, but he is super hot right now. He's on a nine-fight win streak. Um, he's been beating some really good guys. And, and he, he's finishing fights, and, and I've actually trained with him a couple times. And I trained with him probably three years ago, and then I trained with him this year, and he's just a whole new guy. And So I'm looking forward to seeing him and Brian Goldsby because Brian Goldsby is really tough too. So that's the fight I'm looking forward to. 
He is Anthony Gutierrez. He is not taking on Lee Sandmeyer, as many of the websites out there are saying. He's taking on Charlie Dubray at TFC 27th, February 28th. Thanks for doing this, man, and, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Yeah, um, my Twitter handle is Sharkbait816. Um, Instagram is also Sharkbait816, and Facebook is also Facebook.com slash Sharkbait816. Just hit me up on there. Where did Sharkbait come from? Uh, um, so I started training when I was like 15. It's a real small kid, and I trained with you know um, some guys who had already been competing in MMA. And so I really looked up to those guys. You know, at the time they were just amateurs, and I was a 15 year old, never fought. But you know, those guys were like gods to me. And so anyway, I would train with them, and I wasn't very skilled or talented at the time, nor big or strong. So they pretty much just beat me up, and I was invited to go to their practices because I was learning quick. But they would all call me Shark Bait because it was kind of an easy round for me to get the shit beat out of me. And then the name just kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, thanks a bunch for doing this, man, and good luck on the 28th. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You guys hit me up whenever. This is fun. Anthony Gutierrez, how, how can you not like this guy? I mean, he's got he's got all the spunk in the world. He's uh, looking to make a name for himself in MMA. He's fought all of his professional fights for Titan Fighting Championship. And I love the fact that he said it's UFC or bust. You know, it's either Titan Fighting Championships or the UFC. There's nothing else for this guy. Why Why else would anyone fight if they're not fighting for a big organization? And this guy has that. So he's fighting for a big organization with Titan Fighting Championships. We'll get to see what he has to offer on the 28th of February um, for Titan Fighting Championship 27. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see what he does. And at 5-0... You can, if he wins this fight, he will be five and zero. You can't you can't stop a guy from being five and zero. That's that's just amazing, and and he's got all the potential in the world. So, you know, let's see what this guy has to offer. Maybe he fights another fight with Titan, makes himself six and zero, and the UFC comes a calling. You never know. So, Anthony Gutierrez, we're looking forward to his fight at Titan Fighting Championships twenty seven. That's that. Uh, as I said, it's fight week, UFC 169 this weekend. We've got a bunch of other fight cards coming up this this month, so we'll be chatting with some fighters that are that are going to square off in the month of February. But I'm going to finish things off here on Sucker Radio with Super Bowl. How could I not? It's Super Bowl weekend this week. My Seattle Seahawks are going to be playing against the Denver Broncos in New Jersey. For the Super Bowl, and I, I'm not even nervous about this this football game. I I was nervous when the Hawks played against San Francisco a couple weeks back, and that was a game that I needed to be nervous about because that was, that was just craziness how that all came into play. And Richard Sherman at the end of the game with that awesome play that he made, probably the best play of the season in football, um, pushed the Seattle Seahawks past San Francisco 49ers in in what looked like it could have been a touchdown. And uh, Sherman goes on to make a Chael Sonnen-esque speech at the end of the show with the reporters, and it got him in complete shit. This guy, in my opinion, is the best corner in the game, and he's going to give the Denver Broncos a bit of a scare when Peyton Manning's looking to throw that ball down the field. So, in my opinion, it's going to be a short ball game for Denver, and I, I, I'm not going to make a prediction on the game. I do hope my Seahawks win because obviously they're my team. But at the same time, I hope for a great game, and I think it's going to be that. So, go Hawks! Thank you to my guests. We had Jeff Aronson 
We had Anthony Gutierrez. We had Eric Koch. We had um, Stipe Miosic. And, and, I mean, what else could I say? But this was a great episode of Sucker Radio. Uh, I hope you guys all join me next week for what's going to be an even better show. So with that, I'm out. Performance by Uriah Faber for the undisputed bantamweight belt. That kid is dangerous. 33 victories. Headed around. Uriah Faber. career victories. Uriah Faber. We have two titles on the line. Oh! Jose Holdo. What a performance by Ricardo Ramos.